Well, good morning. Uh, Happy uh, Sunday morning to you and thank you so much for joining us in our time of worship. My name is Danny Forshee and uh, we are at Great Hills Baptist Church here in Austin, Texas. And again, uh, we welcome you as you join in with us as we continue our study uh, called What's After ATX. This is a series of messages that we're preaching Many pastors throughout Central Texas, myself included, are preaching these series of messages, and we are thrilled that you have uh, tuned us in. I want to share some really cool things with you as we begin today, especially those of you who are uh, tuning us in through Facebook Live. Last week, Easter Sunday was phenomenal, and God just blessed us with so many people. Uh, 40,000 views on Facebook, over 60,000 people reached. Now, for those of you Facebook friends, you can appreciate 268 comments and 120 shares. Praise the Lord for the gospel, being able to go out and touch so many. And many of you are watching us right now on Facebook. Push that Facebook share button. Let other people know that you are worshiping the Lord with us here at Great Hills. And of course, on the YouTube and Twitter, God bless you. We're just glad that you have tuned us in. However you found us, we don't think it's an accident. We think that God has supernaturally guided you to this point in time uh, so that you can hear a message from the Word of God. And these are interesting times, are they not? Pandemic, COVID-19, difficult days in which we live. And so uh, we're just blessed by God to be able to have this technology so that we can worship the Lord together in Great Hills Baptist Church. We love you. Thank you so much for all your faithfulness and your giving and your willingness just to serve and to do anything and everything during these crazy times. And just so on the behalf of our staff, just know we love you. We appreciate you. And what a blessing it is to, to serve you. So uh, today uh, we are looking at the topic of heaven. If you were in one of the connect groups uh, uh, at 9.30 till about 10.30 this morning, then you got to study about heaven. And so uh, next week's gonna be a difficult topic. We're gonna look at the reality of hell. And so our connect groups are gonna be studying, again, the same uh, topics, the same themes. And by the way, if you're interested in becoming a part of a small group that is studying these themes and topics, You can send us a note at info at ghbc.org. And whether you're a student or an adult, single adult, married, doesn't matter. We have a place for you. And our pastors will help connect you in Zoom so that you're able to participate in a small group study in the same material that we're talking about uh, here in church. So again, today, the topic is heaven. The title is, Is Heaven Real? You know, the Bible has so much to say about life and the afterlife and heaven and hell. In fact, you just watched a a near-death experience from the pilot there, Dale, who uh, he just, uh, you were to ask him today, is is the afterlife, is it real? And that's something that I've I've gleaned from many of these near-death experiences. And it is this, that they say, yes, There is life after this life. Of course, we know that to be true because the Bible clearly, unequivocally teaches that this life is not all that there is. This is just the empirical or the physical, the literal, but then there is the supernatural and there is the after, there is an eternal, there is an eternity to be spent by every human being who's ever lived. Whether that is in heaven or whether that is in hell is up to us. And that's what we're gonna talk about is the glory of heaven and how God desires that all of his people spend eternity with him 
through his son, Jesus Christ, and the choice is ours. Speaking of Jesus and speaking of heaven, listen to these amazing words. He said in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now watch this. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That is a promise from Jesus Christ himself who conquered death. Remember last week we talked about how he is the resurrection and Jesus is the life and he makes promises and he backs those statements up in reality. For example, through his miracles, through his resurrection from the dead so that when he makes promises like that, we can count on it, that it is sure, that it is steadfast, concrete. He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. Paul puts it like this, talking about the afterlife. He says, we are confident. Yes, well pleased in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, rather to be absent from the body, and watch this, and to be present with the Lord. And then another phrase in Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul says these words in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the Bible has so much to say about, again, uh, life, afterlife, heaven, and hell. And so we're going to look at this topic today, Revelation 21. So I want to go ahead and read this text to you, Revelation 21, 1 through 8. This is our primary text. It's talking about the afterlife, talking about heaven, and not just heaven, but uh, the, the Apostle John uh, is writing on the island of Patmos to the churches scattered throughout Asia Minor. And he's given us this beautiful glimpse this picture of what heaven is going to be like. And he says, there's coming a time, there's going to be a new heaven and a, a new earth. And there's going to be this place called the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven where God tabernacles, God dwells with his redeemed humanity for all time and all eternity. Woo, let me tell you, this is intense and it's awesome. It's such a blessing to be able to read God's word and to remember what Jesus said, don't be troubled. Now, don't be fearful because the afterlife, heaven, is going to be a glorious place for the child of God. Now, if you don't know the Lord, you don't have a relationship with God through Christ and you're living your own kind of life and you're rejecting God, then you should be fearful because the Bible is very clear that heaven will not be your eternal home, but hell will be. And Jesus said he didn't, they didn't make hell for us. He said hell was created for the devil and the fallen angels. It's God's desire for us to have a relationship with him, deny this, this self and these sins and turn away, turn unto him, ooh, listen to this, and live a blessed life now. And then when we die, hallelujah, live forever with almighty God and the angels and all the redeemed of all time and eternity living with the Lord, I'm telling you, that is awesome. And that is good news. You say, well, you're excited. Yeah, wouldn't you be? Absolutely excited. I think about Penn Gillette, the atheist who said, if I believed what Christians believe, that there's a heaven and there's a hell, he said, man, I would tell everybody I know that this is the news you need to hear. Well, guess what? I do believe it. 
And that is with passion and compassion that I speak to you about this grand topic of heaven and next week about hell. So here we are, Revelation chapter 21. Let's read it. Now I saw a new heaven, John says, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? We're familiar with old Jerusalem, Zion in the Middle East. But this is a place called the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, cosmeto, adorned, where we get the English word cosmetics or cosmos. This place is adorned like a, like a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, 20 times the Bible says this in the book of Revelation. It prefaces the, the statement with these words, a loud voice. Why? For emphasis sake. And the voice came from heaven and said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God, oh my, 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 look at verse four. I tell you, if there is, if there is a verse in the Bible that ought to give you incredible hope and encouragement and peace, it is Revelation 21, four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You say, what is he talking about? He's talking about heaven, talking about the afterlife, talking about being with God and God with us. And all of these things that we endure and the pain and the suffering and the heartache and the coronaviruses and the cancers and the heartaches, all of that is gone, right? Because there's no sin, there's no evil in heaven with God for all eternity with his redeemed people. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. I love that. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give, now in the Greek, there is this emphatic, it's I myself and no other will give. It's mentioned a couple of times, this, this pronoun, ego, ego. I will give and no one else of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And verse seven says, he who nikon, it's where we get the word Nike. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But... Now here's verse eight and verse eight is a difficult uh, verse. In fact, I call it the contrast, the contrast between verses one through seven, talking about heaven and being with God and joy and peace and the hereafter. And then you have this statement and many people would like to say, well, I don't want to read that statement because that's talking about hell and that's negative and I don't want to feel that way. Well, it's truth. And so just because it's hard doesn't mean it's false. And so we read it and we glean from it. And the way I look at it is a bright neon sign, God from heaven telling us, behold, be careful because just as there is a heaven to enjoy for the saints of God, there is a hell to be avoided. But the cowardly, he's gonna describe the kind of people who spend eternity in hell. The unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers. He goes on in describing idolaters and liars. They shall all have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, 
John says, which is the second death. So that's our text today. Whoo, is it not intense? Revelation 21, one through eight. Oh, but it's a message of hope. It really is an encouragement because, you know, the Bible says in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, listen to these words, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now check that out. God has prepared a place called heaven and he wants us here on this earth to journey toward heaven, to have our minds and our hearts looking forward to heaven above. I'm telling you, there's a lot on this earth that is discouraging. I mean, right now we're living in, in the days of a pandemic. I mean, what in the world? I mean, this one virus that started, who knows how this thing started. Now there's all kinds of theories of how it started in China and now has spread throughout the world. It has shut the world down. Nations are closed. I mean, many people can't even go to work. We're over 30 million unemployed in our country. And so these are tough times and we don't know when the social distancing uh, ban, when it will be lifted. We, there's a lot of unknowns. And so what a, what a blessing it is to look at the knowns, the things that we can know and that will give us assurance and, and peace and joy. And of course, I'm talking about God's word and what he's teaching us. And so I'm coming to you today. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit weak physically, but I'm so inspired spiritually and emotionally because it's like the spirit of God is just impressing me with this message of hope this message of heaven, this message of the afterlife. And there's evidence after evidence and proof after proof. It's like God is just shouting to this world. He's speaking preeminently through the risen Christ and the word of God. And I believe God even uses these near-death experiences to kind of jostle people and get their attention to say, look, there's more to this life than what you see. There is an eternity. There is an afterlife. And God is like shouting to us as a world saying, believe on me, receive me, allow me to be your king and you spend eternity with me in heaven. Hallelujah. What a message. So we're going to look at this text today. There are three things. There's first what I call the new and then there's the announcement and then the contrast. So the first thing I want you to look at is the new. In verses one and two, John said, I saw a new heaven. And I saw a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. They had passed away and there was no more sea. Now, there is debate among scholars as with the, with the old heavens, the intergalactic you know, space, the heavens and the earth as we know it. Will it just be rejuvenated and restored or will it totally be done away with and a new one, literally a new heavens and new earth. And I believe that's what will happen because 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12 says the old heavens and the old earth will be burned or it will be dissolved. So when John says new, he's not joking. <laughs> he's saying literally a brand new heaven or heavens and a brand new earth. And then he says, there's no more sea. And this is the first of seven things that God tells us in his word that will not be in heaven. There will be no more sea, no more death or mourning, crying, pain. There's no more curse in Revelation 22, 3. There's no more night, Revelation 21, 25 and 22, 5. 
the things that cause us pain and heartache and difficulty and suffering in this life, they're not admitted. They're not allowed in heaven because on this earth, we deal, we deal in the sinful. We deal with the, the, the hurt and the pain and the grief and the, and the heartache. But, but in heaven, those things are not allowed, praise God. You say, but what about the sea? What do you mean there? There's no sea. We think about on earth as we know it today, what is it, 75% of the planet is covered in, in, in the seas. The seas, they separate. When John's writing this from the island of Patmos, as he's looking across the Aegean Sea, the sea is separating him from his loved ones. You think about hurricanes, you think about separation. You think of, the sea oftentimes has a negative connotation. Well, guess what? In the afterlife, in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no separation. There are no hurricanes. I tell you, I've experienced, I can't tell you how many hurricanes. It's like wherever I move, wherever I live, a hurricane comes and finds me. I'm serious. Just about everywhere I've lived on the Gulf Coast of Alabama, on the coast there in Virginia, in North Carolina, and now here in Texas a few years ago, hurricane tried to creep up here and get us even up here in Austin. You, you remember that? I remember the worst hurricane though I ever experienced is when I was 15 years of age. September the 15th, 1979. Yes, I'm dating myself. I'm 55 years of age. Hurricane Frederick swept through the Gulf Coast of Alabama, $2.6 billion in damage. Hold on, that's $2.6 billion in 1979. I'm telling you, it devastated the Gulf Coast. Two weeks, we were without power. I didn't mind not going to school, but two weeks taking baths in the, in the creek, in the lake. I tell you, I don't like hurricanes. And so when the Bible says there ain't no hurricanes, hallelujah, no hurricanes, mm, no tornadoes, no cyclones, no earthly earthquakes, disasters, none of that in heaven. Because in heaven is God and there is peace and there is joy for all eternity. Man. Verse two, look at verse two. It says, then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared. This place is prepared like a bride who is adorned, cosmeto, the cosmetics, the cosmos, right? It's adorned for her husband. It's interesting that it's called new Jerusalem because there is an old Jerusalem and it exists even to this day. And Jerusalem uh, is, is referred to as Zion or the city of God. And so God is going to be amazing. He's going to keep the old name, but everything's going to be uh, brand, brand new. After John sees the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, he makes this grand announcement uh, from heaven. And, but before we look at the announcement, though, I, I want you to scan down to verse 5 because verse five still fits within this category of what I've called the new. Verse five says, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make what? Some things new? No, all things new, all things new. Does that not just thrill your soul? Does that not just give you incredible hope as a follower of Christ? That not just some things, but everything will be made new. And that we will have an eternity in this new heaven and new earth and in this new Jerusalem where God will dwell with us. I'm telling you, I don't fear death. I used to fear death. 
because I didn't know Christ. I didn't have a relationship with God. But once God saved my soul, I, I just don't fear it. I know that I'm gonna spend eternity with him based on his word, based on his resurrection from the dead. I too will rise to spend with him, eternity with him. All right, so let's look at the announcement. I don't know about y'all, but I need to take a deep breath. Yes, thank you, Lord. What a, what a text. I love Revelation. I've preached through the book of Revelation twice and I'm just having a blast being able to go back through it a little bit today with you. The announcement, what is the announcement in verses three and four? Well, it says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven and it said, behold, the skinne, the S-K-E-N-E, it means the dwelling place, the tent, the tabernacle. You think about all that, the tent, the tabernacle, the temple, all of those references to God's presence, his Shekinah glory with Israel. And then with Jesus, the Shekinah glory resting upon the person of Jesus Christ. And you carry that all the way to heaven or the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. God, that's the announcement. God is with us and he will dwell with us and, and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. That is the grand announcement. Ooh, I love this. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And that promise will come to fruition in the afterlife. The word translated people here in verse three is the Greek word laos. It's where we get the English word laity. Or in, the, in this sense, it is in the plural, the laoi, the people of God. From, remember the promise that God made Abraham in Genesis 12, that through his seed, the nations of the earth will be blessed. Of course, the Christ will come through the seed, the lineage, the loins of Abraham. And Jesus was not just the Messiah for the Jews. He's the Messiah for everybody. And so this announcement, this grand announcement that God now will dwell forever with his people for all eternity in heaven. Wow, what an amazing thing. You know, I came across this quote from Richard Baxter. He's a 17th century pastor. He's a Puritan pastor. Um, this is what he said. To have necessities but no supply is the case of them in hell. To have necessities supplied by means of the creatures is the case of those on earth. To have necessities supplied immediately from God is the case of the saints in heaven. But to have no necessity at all is the prerogative of God himself, end of quote. God is our source. He is our life. He is our light. And he will dwell with us. That's the announcement. That is the clarion call, the, the wonderful good news that John hears being proclaimed from heaven itself. Verse four is just absolutely sublime. I'm telling you, I could just spend I could spend hours just looking at verse four. God will wipe away every tear. This is part of his announcement. Every tear from their eyes. No death, no crying, no sorrow. All of the tremendous heartaches that we endure, that we experience here on earth will be done away with. One of my favorite pastors years ago was a man by the name of Adrian Rogers. I've read a lot of his material and always been enjoyed by his, uh, his sermons but him and his wife, Joyce, had something horrendous happen to them early on in their marriage. Their three-month-old son died 
of sudden infant death syndrome. Now, can you wrap your mind around that for just a moment? Uh, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning and your three month old is dead from this. Su- By the way, can I just tell you this? There ain't none of that in heaven. There's none of this infant dying. There's no cancer, coronavirus. There's none of that in heaven. But Adrian Rogers, his heart, him and his wife, June, their hearts were broken. But here's what he said they did. We decided that we must lean into and turn to God even more, not become bitter, not become angry, not allow this to destroy our marriage, but allow it to bring us even closer. So Adrian Rogers, he would visit the hospitals and he would, uh, there was this one in particular individual, it was an elderly man, angry old man who just loved to argue and loved to fuss. And he had the audacity. After Adrian Rogers' son had died, he went to the hospital, he visited this old man and this old man literally told him these words. He said, now, what are you doing here? And Adrian Rogers said, I'm here to come see you. And then he asked him, are you still serving God after what he did to you and your wife. I love Adrian Rogers' response. It's this classic Adrian Rogers. This is what he said. He didn't get mad. He didn't lay hands on the old guy in the bed. He just said these words. I'm not bitter at God, but do you know who I am bitter at? I'm bitter at Satan. He has a greater enemy in me today than ever. Because I know behind all the sickness and all the sorrow and the pain and the suffering and death is sin. And so what he was saying is, all that's going to be done away with. Our enemy is the devil and Satan and sin. Our enemy is not God. God is our friend. God is our creator. God is the one who's created us in his image to spend eternity with him. Love that. He said, the devil has a greater enemy in me today than he ever has because Uh, He's leaning more into Christ. What a grand announcement. Here it is. God will dwell with us and there will be some conspicuous omissions in heaven. And that leads me to the last thing I want to share with you. And thank you, by the way, for just staying with us and studying God's word. Um, (laughs) One of my discipleship uh, guys this week, he, he told me, he goes, you know, pastor, I can I can get used to watching you on television because I can pause you and I can go, <laughs> I can go get a snack, you know, I can go get something to drink and I can come back and in the comfort of my home, just restart you. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I don't have that luxury here and we're just moving right along. But again, I'm so glad that you're listening and you're just being so faithful to attend church. This is a different way to attend church, but we're delighted that you are listening in. And if you just joined us, we're in a study called What's After ATX. And myself, along with 150 plus pastors, are preaching on the afterlife. What does the Bible say about the afterlife? What about these near-death experiences? I mean, are these real? I mean, all these people are saying, wait a minute, when you die, you're even more alive than you were when you were alive. And so what about that? Or does the Bible really talk about heaven? Does it really talk about hell? Yes. And so is heaven real? The answer, with no ambiguity, is a resounding Yes, just as God is real, just as earth is real, just as you are real, there is a heaven. And contrastly, there is a hell. But first of all, the residents of heaven. In verses six and seven, the Bible says it's done. 
And the same words are quoted in Revelation 1.8 when Jesus said, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, the beginning and the end. And by the way, you probably already knew this, but Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet and Omega is the last letter. He said, I'm the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now, what does that mean? To give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts means eternal life. That Jesus gives us eternal life. We thirst for him. We are, we are desirous. We want our spiritual thirst slated. And Jesus does that. Remember, he said, I am, I am the living water that has come from heaven to, to satisfy you, to slate your spiritual thirst. And Jesus says, I give that. I give that freely to all of those who believe in me. And when you believe in me, you die and you go to heaven. Then he says, and he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. I love this. One writer says, what God starts, God is able to complete. He is the unchangeable one by whom the old was and the new shall be. I love in verse seven, how many times he uses the personal pronoun he. You hear that? He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. It's a personal word. So the residents of heaven know God. They have the presence of God for all eternity. We are children of God. Remember John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become children of God, to be known by God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love and it is his nature to love us and to redeem us. Mm, the God who created you is the God who knows how to satisfy you. And he is the God who will welcome you and usher you into heaven when you die. And then you got this to look forward to. You got this whole new experience of a new heaven, new earth, and this new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. But let me be faithful to the text and share with you the outcast of hell, because this is what verse eight says. Next week, we're gonna look at Luke 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and look at the whole sermon on the doctrine of the afterlife, the doctrine of hell, and at least one, maybe even two of the near-death experiences that I'm gonna show you next week, it didn't turn out very well for them. They had the experience of the afterlife of hell and they came back to tell, talk about it. And to me, that gives even more credence to it because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says not everybody goes to heaven. You say, well, who doesn't go to heaven? These people. You want to read it? Well, let me say it to you. The cowardly, who are they? They're the timid. They're the fearful. They're the ones who reject Christ. They won't stand for Christ in this world. They're cowardly. Number two is the unbelieving. If you'll just follow along in your text, I'll read it for you. The, uh, the, the unbelieving or the unfaithful, those who say they're Christians, but they're really not. The abominable, these are they that have a lifestyle that is inconsistent with righteousness and the holiness of God. They commit abominable practices. It is because it's who they are, the murderers. Now that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Remember Jesus said, he who hates his brothers murdered him. So a person who literally murders or a person who lives in hatred is not going to heaven because they have not been forgiven and cleansed of those sins. Now, of course, somebody who has murdered somebody physically and they've asked for God's forgiveness, and Jesus forgives them, they spend the same eternity in heaven that you and I do have not committed murder. You see, many people receive Christ in prison, right? 
The key is to receive Christ so that these things are in your past and not defining you in this moment. The next one he says is the sexually immoral. It's interesting that the Greek word there is pornois, pornois. It's the root word for pornography. All the sexually immoral, those who live the lifestyle of sexual deviancy, that includes fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and any other type of sexual misconduct of which this world is absolutely infatuated with. And so if you practice those lifestyles of sexually immoral and you don't ask for God's forgiveness and his, and his grace, then the Bible says you go to hell. You say, what in the world? Where did you get that from? From the Bible, from the most neglected book in the church today. The Bible has a lot to say about heaven and about hell. You say, well, I didn't even know that was in my Bible. What else does it have in there? Well, it says, neither will the sorcerers enter heaven. The Greek word's an interesting word. It's the word pharmakois. It's where we get the word pharmacy. And the idea here is, those who engage in witchcraft and sorcery and maybe even the usage of mind-altering drugs. Hello, that's our world. That's our culture. So infatuated with substances and abuse and witchcraft and sorcery. Next, he says, is the idolaters. And those are they that worship other deities, uh, little g's, gods of this earth or anything or anybody other than the Lord God Almighty. So, well, I'm not an idolater. Yes, you are. If there's anybody or anything that has preeminence in your life that you're addicted to or that you worship, then you're an idolater. And God says, I can forgive you of that. I can cleanse you of that. Come to me, come to Christ and be forgiven. And the last one is all liars. Woo, three lists of those who are not going to heaven in Revelation. This one, Revelation 21, 27, 22, 15, all include these this last category of those who don't tell the truth. They live a lie. You know, this is not the only uh, passage of scripture. There's another one that talks about this. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it describes those who do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I want to take just a minute. I know I'm running a little bit late, preaching a little bit longer, maybe today, but hey, let me show this to you. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That is nomenclature that is a synonym for heaven or the eternal afterlife with God. Don't be deceived, he says. And then he begins to list those who practice these lifestyles and they will be prohibited from going to heaven. By whom you say? By God. That's what his word tells us. The fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Look at that. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. And such were some of you. Did y'all see that? You used to be that way. You used to practice in those deviancies and that lifestyle, but, oh, look at this. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Listen to me, friend, listen to me. Your sin may not be my sin. That doesn't matter. All sin is sin. 
whether it's lying or sexual sin or disobedience or idolatry, whatever the sin is, the sin separates us from a holy God and God comes to us in the form of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He took the sins of the world on him and he died and then he was buried and he arose from the dead. He's our hope. He's our anchor. He's our only way to bypass hell and go to heaven and you have to receive him and believe in him. I plead with you. I beg of you to receive Christ today. You say, why? Why are you so urgent? Because there is a heaven to enjoy and there is a hell to avoid. You say, my word, you you sound like you really believe this stuff. I do believe this stuff. I've given my whole life to this, to preaching the gospel, to telling people, look, God is real. He is alive and he ain't no Santa Claus and he is not some heavenly grandpapa up there that just gonna let everybody into heaven. No, those who go to heaven are those that know him. And those who know him and love him and serve him, we don't live that kind of lifestyle. We just don't. Paul said, you used to do that. I used to do that. But praise God by his grace and the blood of Jesus, I've been washed, I've been cleansed. Does that mean I never sin? No, I sin and I ask God's forgiveness, but that's not my life. I'm My life is not defined by the immorality of my past. No, I've been washed, saved, forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you? Has there ever been a time in your life where you received the Lord? You say, I could never give up pornography. I could never give up homosexuality. I could never give up being an idolater. Yes, you can. By the power of Christ, you can trust him. Say, Lord, forgive me, save me. And through God's intervening power, he will. He will change you. You will become a new person. You'll be a baby, a baby in Christ. And you begin to grow. Will you make mistakes? Will you slip up? Will you fall back? Yes, but watch this. You don't stay that way. Through nurture, through discipleship of the church, you are molded and shaped more in the image of Christ until you get to that point where you're like, you're just walking with him and serving him. I invite you, I invite you right here in the comfort of your home, wherever you may be, receive Christ today with urgency. I plead with you, say, how do I do that? You just tell him, you say, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to. I wanna spend eternity with you in heaven and I wanna live for you here on this earth. Save me, oh God, he will, he will. What an amazing God. What an amazing gospel, the truth. You know, I'm emotional, but somebody said one time, if you ever preach on hell, there ought to be compassion in your voice and there ought to be tears in your eyes. And it is that way with me because I I believe God I believe God that he is not joking around when he says there is a heaven to be enjoyed and there is a hell created for the devil and the fallen angels. Avoid it. How do I avoid it? What is the only hope? What is the only way that I can bypass hell and go to heaven? It's Christ. He's it. He is it. It's not good works. It's not Muhammad. It's not Confucius, it's not Buddha, it's not any other religion or religious leader. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
He and He alone can save you. So I'm inviting you, receive Him today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this preacher. <laughs> yes, I am passionate because I believe it. If I didn't believe it, I'd, I'd quit. I'd go do something else with my life. But I have a call from God, a mandate from God, and I have a great church that I get to pastor and serve. And so I'm gonna close my time in prayer. We're gonna have another song. There's gonna be some really good music and worship. And I'm gonna pray for you. Listen, listen, I'm praying for you right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father in heaven, we're praying in the name above every name, Jesus, for people to be saved, God, for people to give their lives to you, oh God, before it is eternally too late. And so I'm praying for salvation, Lord. And listen, friend, if you're listening to me and I'm praying for you, my head is bowed, my eyes are closed and I'm praying for you and I'm also talking to you. Receive the Lord this very moment. And as you do, tell somebody, please tell somebody. You can contact us here at Great Hills. You can contact us through the social media or the info at ghbc.org. And you can tell us so we can help you, nurture you and grow you in your relationship with the Lord. Father, we're praying for salvation and we're praying for, we're praying for renewal for followers of Christ, for those Lord that are walking with you in a way that's not honoring to you and they know it. And so Lord, forgive and bring them back into that relationship and fellowship with you. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love the fact that you love us and you want to spend eternity with us. And so we yield ourselves to you, God, and we worship you and we long for that day and look forward to the day where the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem and all the saints of God for all eternity will live with you. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.